All right. Hello, everyone, and good afternoon again. Welcome to the Forum on the Venture. And I have with me Sean Burroughs. Um, he's the co-founder of Ingressive for Good. And we'll be discussing Series 3 today, The Matrix. Um, and what this, <laughs> what this is about is we're trying to understand what is the opportunity environment um, for that, that makes investment more, more palatable, right, for the undergraduate community. How do we position the undergraduate community to be more investment friendly once we can create an enabling environment for economic value creation? So we'll be having that conversation with Sean Burroughs and it's going to be another exciting time. How are you feeling, Sean? Hey, I always say any day I wake up is a good day. Really awesome. happy to be here. Um, I'm really glad to dive into this uh, content. Um, I've really been uh, following what you've been doing um, for a while now. And uh, it's good to see like a fresh perspective and mm. especially one that is, um, that is from the student community as a, as a, as a base um, and using that in, in different ways. So like, I'm, I'm really excited about that. So happy to be here. So much for sharing that, for sharing your enthusiasm, right? Um, so on the forum, we always have four batches of conversations. The first one is what we call the trivia. We try to establish a human connection with the guest. We try to, you know, know your base, you know, know where you're coming from. Then um, we have the discourse where we try to understand what the problem, the challenge, the opportunity, and the reality of whatever conversation we're having on the forum. Then we have a strategy session where we try to get insights from your experience, your ideas, and your perspective on, you know, the matter we're trying to discuss. And then we have the final session called the forum where we focus on what is the one thing we need to take action on right now. So, you know, I, I really love that you've expressed your interest for the undergraduate community. Can you, can you give us a little insight into how the dysfunctions of your undergraduate community at your time kind of affected, um, you know, kind of influenced what you're doing today? Um, this is very interesting that you would ask me this. So my, on the surface, my undergraduate experience would be different, I guess, since I was in the US. So I'm a graduate of the Jackson State University. You know what I mean? So um, that is a historically black college and university uh, that is in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, and in many ways, Jackson, Mississippi is America's version of the bush. Um, it's where slavery, Jim Crow, all those things had its strongest hold. It's the place where um, a lot of times if you're talking about infrastructure and different things like that, not to compare to say things are equal, but like, you know, like my, in my family area, there's dirt roads, uh, the family house, my grandmother's house, there's no plumbing inside. We have a well outside where you have to uh, pump out the water and then we have an outhouse. So like these are these are things that we experience in Mississippi. <laughs> we out here. So when I go to Jackson State University, um, obviously the infrastructure that I was um, that I was a part of was not necessarily as good as everywhere else. Let's just say, you know, um, wherever we are in the diaspora, we tend to be on the lower end when it comes to receiving resources, access, and different things like that. So in the U.S., that is no different. Um, so the thing that changed my life and changed my perspective um, completely and totally was that there was a lawsuit in court 
um, that basically the government had been unequally giving out government funds to schools. Um, and there were state, the state schools where, where the certain people, you know, there were their schools and then there were our schools. Their schools got more money than our schools and our schools suffered as a response. So a brilliant lawyer basically brought, uh, wrote, brought this to the court. And basically the only thing we had to do was get uh, to get millions and millions and millions of dollars was basically a lot of us had to sign a, a uh, sign one of those like those uh, sheets basically. A petition. Yeah. A petition. Petition. Yes. Yes. Can you tell me why people has told me at my own university that they did not have time to sign this petition? That why why do why does it matter or you know we like it doesn't they gonna take the money anyway i don't even know why you wasting your time or whatever the case may be and that one at first it kind of broke my spirit but at the end it kind of let me know that like for those who are um passionate about your community like you you have to take it upon yourself to not let those things discourage you and you have to kind of take it upon yourself to be an educator for your community around you you have to create resources you you can't just give up just because because just because people are a certain way because you know you don't know what we've been through you don't know what that person has been through what they've had to experience what they had to do to harden their mind harden their soul harden their spirit just to be able to make it through that day you can't take it you you know you can't hold Hold that against them. You have to, you know, you just have to kind of do your best to support them, and if not, move on to the next person. Whoa, amazing, amazing, fire, fiery, passionate start. I really like that. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. So let let's dive into, you know, we 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 now know the environment you grew up in and how it has inspired your work with Ingressive for Good. And I also know you have you have your own outfits, uh, mostly connecting investors. Um, connecting business people to resources, uh, especially within diaspora and then Africa. So brilliant work, right? So what is what do you think it defines the opportunity for value creation within that undergraduate community right now? I think that the same thing that works for value creation in the undergraduate community works everywhere in the entire continent, to to, to so to speak. Um, the, and what works for you guys basically is that like number one nobody's creating finished products like like at, at, a, at a high level to try to like export and do different things like this i would say first of all try to like focus on what finished product can you produce within your means um mm. and kind of work on that number two what the colleges and universities have to have to have to realize is that you by default have one of the most solid transport or transportation and logistics infrastructure in the world, within the continent and everything. And when I say logistics, you're like, oh, well, we're not moving things. You're moving information, you're moving knowledge, you're moving perspectives, right? So mm. once you've built that infrastructure, or especially if you go out of your way to build that infrastructure and connect to different schools and different things like that, it's easy to start plugging in uh, ideas, services, and products that you can monetize. Like you all, we, you, we wow. all should basically be working together to create your own mm. economy. Cause there's one thing. Wow. We know that the African mm. continent does not have the correct infrastructure. But the reason why I and Ingressive really, really, really focused 
on the student communities um, in these universities is because number one, we can't be all things to everybody. We can't go all the way down to the bottom of the pyramid. But again, this, these colleges and universities, you already have a certain amount of existing infrastructure, access to internet, access to groups of people that can serve as thought partners, yeah, community uh, customers, mm. Uh, advisors, like all these different things. You have all, you have this mini city ecosystem in every single one of these exactly. universities. Wow. And all you have to do is basically, number one, organize inside your community, uh, inside your university, and then you can spread out from there. Yeah. You can just basically just spread out and start reaching out into your community and let these schools be a base of operations. Wow. Now, when all of these schools and all these different places, there's like two, 300 schools in Nigeria. If all of these schools start connecting and working with each other, you're going to start finding out that you may have more power than a lot of these institutions. Exactly. And if you even look at historically, I wrote this article that says like interns will be the way, uh, will, will, uh, how interns will change Africa. Um, but what I was looking at, I was even been connecting those interns to the student base and if you look at there's been like certain historic periods um where it was the students that were leading the way when it was coming when it became when it was talked uh, talked about being activists and different things like that mobilizing people to vote prote protesting on going to war and different things like that there's this amazing picture where there's i think it's a student that's in china basically walking up to a tank and putting a flower in the uh in the thing, in the uh, the Tiananmen Square, yeah, yeah, like, and then I'm, I, I remember, like, I'm, at, I'm, I'm from Jackson State University. Um, this school has done, has grown immensely, immensely. But one thing they made sure that they didn't do was cover up the bullet holes that were in the walls of one of those uh, buildings. And the bullet holes came from the civil rights era in the 70s, where it was students leading civil rights, trying to get equality and all these different things. And the National Guard actually went so far as to come to our school, shoot up the school and shoot and kill students. But that's how hard, like, but we were like, that's where I'm trying to tell you, like, students in some places have been the heart and soul of change uh, by force, because it's a hard group to, to, it's hard. They have, because you're, you're on your way in your, in your journey, um, you're young, um, you have less to lose, just being real. True. And, but True. two, you're mm. also smart. So you're yeah. also educated to a certain extent or even seeking education and open to learning. So that just makes you a mm. very, very dangerous person, whether you want to use this mm. for business or whether you want to use that for social impact. Again, that's why mm. I roll with the student community. It's an army. Wow. Wow. That's, that's inspiring. That's inspiring. Thank you so much. It's already so exciting, right? So, um, you know, um, for the last part of this trivia, you know, it's good to connect to your heart and soul. Um, the last question for this part of the conversation is what do you think inspires you, you know, from all of these stories mm -hmm. you've told, what do you think about the student environment or the student community, the undergraduate community that most inspires the work that you do today? Oh yeah. That's basically what I just, what I just, uh, talked about. It's just kind of like, um, another thing that's inspiring is taking it from the U S perspective. Um, with the credit card system, taking it from how uh, GT Bank now has like uh, anchor into a certain demographic of people um, by mm -hmm. being able to to engage the entire student uh, body in, 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 in large geographic areas, you basically just mm -hmm. again, you 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 dictate thought, you create loyalty, you do all these different things that come into play five to 10 years later. 
So again, if you anybody who is who is actually strategic about social impact, who is actually strategic about trying to um, implement again like some some needed changes within within this country, the continent, and every other place, if you don't have a, a connection to the student community, like you're, I don't I don't think I don't think you're doing it correctly, and that's why I kind of always again make sure that I am connected to the to the to you know to people like you and communities like this. Wow, exciting, exciting already so much, John. Thank you so much. So let's jump right into the discourse about economic value creation. Yeah, about the whole startup, about the whole business landscape, about the whole, um, you know, creating value where it didn't exist before. Uh-huh. Right. So let's talk about Nigeria. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, that's, that's, that's your major focus, at least right now, mm-hmm. or other African countries, but I know, of course, you're in Nigeria. <laughs> so what do you think is contributing? What do you think are the biggest contributors to the economic narrative of Nigeria today? Oh, the biggest, the biggest contributors, which, again, you guys need to, like, really, really take a look at, the biggest contributor by far is probably like the informal sector. So all these people that we are, that some of you even college students may be looking down upon on the streets, uh, selling this, selling that, doing this and that. Those are the people who are basically the linchpin of your government, the linchpin of your GDP <laughs> producing um, at mass levels for the entire country. Um, we owe them a debt of gratitude because I know they also, um, they also, they, they don't, a lot of things don't reach them. A lot of resources and different things don't reach them. Um, that's why, again, the uh, student communities have to be the bridge between high level, whatever. You guys can somehow get access to the corporates, um, SMEs, and yeah. things like that. But you also the are local economy. the streets as well. Um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. but like, I think it represents like, I think there's different figures. I saw one that was like, it, it contributes to like 45% of the GDP um, and mm. different things like that. But like, it, it's a huge amount. Um, so there's a lot going on. And again, um, it shows you that, especially with the advent of cryptocurrency and different things like that, um, or even looking at the example of Facebook, why, why Facebook's Libra was actually uh, being blocked by, um, being blocked by the US government in particular. Um, part of the reason why like government, I mean, uh, Facebook gave us a map of what we can do with our student communities or where the economic value lies. They basically created a country in thin air, out of thin air. Um, they have rules and regulations or whatever, like terms and conditions, which are basically laws. Um, you know what I'm saying? They have like uh, Facebook ads and different things like that. So now they have a business environment and economy. And then basically what they were going to do with the Libra was basically, uh, was basically create, a, uh, create their own currency. Um, and they know that Facebook had too much power, too much reach into uh, all these different things to basically create an environment where people could basically disconnect from the existing infrastructures. So again, now that you've seen that, and we are smart people connected to a tech community. Why can't we build that? If you want to know what that looks mm-hmm. like, um, look at what China's doing. We can say whatever bad things we want to say about China um, within, within how they act within um, Africa. But you have to realize China is ready for war. They are ready. Yes. They are about that life. So, and what I mean by that is like, if you look at the way new wars are being fought now, Trump is basically uh, arresting Huawei, their CEOs and different things like that. But the idea is that this, uh, China knows that like, if we want to be uh, competitive, 
we have to basically have our own things we can depend on. So Facebook, yeah. has, I mean, if America has Facebook, they have WeChat. We have uh, America has Amazon. They have Alibaba, so on and so forth. So when they go up to Huawei and say, mm. hey, you can't use Google Play Store, which is the biggest market, whatever, whatever, whatever. You can't use anything on there. They're like, it's okay. It's fine. We have our own. <laughs> it's going to hurt, mm. but mm. we're not going to die out here. So like that's kind of like yeah. the 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 market potential that I see um, as far as like where we can kind of go to things we can kind of create because again um, it's not necessarily going to come from the government and it typically hasn't it's the private sector that leads mm. the way and you get uh, the the I'm not gonna say you guys are the tip of the spear but you're definitely the source or the power behind the private the private sector whether you know it or not. Wow. Wow, that was really insightful. And, you know, talking about, you know, I, I, I am a very big, um, I've been holding conversations about China for like three years, okay. right? In fact, people, people within my network already know that I have a Chinese kind of name for my original name. They call me Toy Ying, right? Okay. And I'm like, the next kind of war, it has to be based on economic okay. power. Like we have to find a way to decentralize economic yes. power. Or else we are going to replay the same thing that has been happening like over the last 1,000 or, you know, how many years now, right? So the second question... Just be careful how far this, you uh, go this... back, though, because there were points <laughs> where we were, we were, we were in control Actually, of all of that. Maybe. I know, from, let me just yeah. drop this in there. From, a, from an education okay. standpoint, in America, America doesn't teach Black Americans a lot about what happened before slavery, um, mm. so we don't know a lot. So if I'm, if, if any of my American friends I've shared this with are watching that, that's why I make sure I always say like, it wasn't always like this. Um, and True. then for you guys within the African content, you guys sometimes are like, Hey, why are you Americans all like, why are y'all like that? Why are y'all so sensitive or whatever? And it's like, they don't teach y'all really about what happened in slavery, like how truly horrific it was and like how recent mm. those things were happening. But anyway, mm. please continue. Go ahead. <laughs> awesome awesome um you know we we had a session on that already actually we're talking about religion and culture ah, okay. and how okay. and how and how you know the narrative has been twisted making us feel like religion came when the white people came we already had religions yes. and we had culture like strong culture before all of that so yes i totally buy into what you're saying so for the second question right i know that one of your strong suits is is strategic partnerships yeah. You have you have this brilliance with creating multi-stakeholder relationships that you know just makes things work. Mm -hmm. So let us tap into that with this discourse, right? Yeah. What do you think is creating the gap within? Okay, so we already understand that there's no enabling environments currently for an economic value creation within the undergraduate community. That is why it is what it is, right? No, but, I, dis I disagree, but. Okay. But okay. Yeah. 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 Awesome. I would like you to tackle that. Right. Yes. But then what is also contributing to that bridge between the African or the Nigerian economic value creation ecosystem and then that undergraduate community. So you could tackle those two things. Wait, I didn't, I didn't get the last part. Give me the last part again. So what, the last part is what is creating the gap between the undergraduate community mm -hmm. and then the economic value creation ecosystem of either Nigeria or Africa. Oh, okay. That was easy. So you have like twofold problem. Like, so like, Ingressive for Good, like in 2017, we were like, we kind of like, um, somehow launched GitHub um, um, in the continent, we somehow launched Figma in the continent. 
um, and whatnot. And what you find out is like, you have schools that are using like books that are like 10 years old, um, learning languages that like nobody like is using really. Um, and then like some people learn to code on a chalkboard and didn't get a chance to actually put it in the computer. Um, so like there's, there's major issues. So like that's part of the gap, <laughs> just being real. Like there's, there's, not, there's not always equitable um, access to resources um, and different things like that. And again, but for us, if we're gonna get to those who truly are capable of the highest impact, um, that's again why we ride the infrastructure knowing it's not perfect. Um, what we're doing though, is we're realizing and what, what the entire world is teaching us now through COVID is that the information already exists online. Like technically Harvard University um, in the US, which is one of the highest, highest, whatever, you have your Oxford, you have your Harvard's, your Princeton's, your MIT's or whatever. But basically they're teaching people online, but they're still like, we're gonna charge you like tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars over a certain period of time to get your degree. And we're like, no, you keep, like you can't, you can't do that like you're not having to like no you can't do that and it's basically teaching us that now that they've deployed this information online and sharing it with us like it's it already existed it's always been there now yes it is going to be difficult in some cases to get a computer or a laptop yes it's going to be difficult in some cases to have access to uh power um it's going to be difficult in some cases to have access to internet right so I understand that. And in those cases, um, you know, my heart goes out to you. And, you know, like we, like we got we to gotta do what we can do to support other people. That's why part of Ingressive for Good, we have a laptop program. We're still working on drawing funds to give out more. But that's part of the reason why we have it. Um, but the idea is, like, once you have all, those th the, all three of those things, though, basically you have the, the ingredients you need to make a billion-dollar company. So now when I go and look, when I look back at the students now and you're like, oh, we don't have this, we don't have that. If you have power, if you have data and you have internet and your school, you have people around you, you have everything you need to create a business of some sort, of some sort. It is up to you to figure out how to create and deliver value. It's up to you because there's no blanket approach. It's up to you to go and look around you and see what is missing and all these different things. But this is why I love the day and age that we live in. You have basically all the tools, all the tricks, all the different things you need to create a personality, build a brand, reach out to people. And again, you need a computer, <laughs> power and data and you can change things. So like, so like, I, like again, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but I'd, I'd like to, put to, to give people that, that mindset. Um, and again, I know I don't have to push a lot of people in Nigeria because in Nigerians, this is why everywhere you go, Nigerians are, are, are basically the highest performers everywhere they go. From the American context, they are the most educated. They pay some of the highest amounts in taxes. Um, um, they're basically running, the, there's so many of them in the healthcare field and different stuff like that. But like, all they want to do is show the negative side and different stuff like that. So again, it's up to us to kind of like start leaning on each other, looking and seeing what you have around you and not comparing yourself to the international standard of wealth, but compare yourself to your community and see how all of you guys are collectively doing compared to other communities that you see. Wow, amazing, amazing, amazing.
Although, you know, I, I understand the perspective you brought in when I said, you know, that there's no actual enabling environment for value creation, but that, that's, a, that's a conversation for another day. Actually, it was listed, it was discussed in the seven PCs, but awesome yes. points, awesome points. It is. Yeah, I mean, you're right. That's what I said. That's why I went ahead and said, I oversimplified. Don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're right. Okay, I know you're I, right. <laughs> I, I, get, I get you now with the oversimplification. All right. Awesome. So, um, so lastly, right, is... Let's now learn the ropes, right? What are the elements needed to be considered when you're creating multi-stakeholder partnerships and relationships? Because when you look at the economic value creation um, ecosystem, right, especially for Africa, you can see different level of stakeholders, right? But because the undergraduate community has been underserved, the, 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 the value chain is almost, and I say almost with bracket in, in parenthesis, right? It's almost non-existent, right? So yeah. how do we actually create multi-stakeholder relationships where it doesn't even exist? And let me, let me simplify it, right? So if you look at the value chain, you have the producers, which are what? The parents. You have the, 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 the university um, um, government, right? Those who are our lecturers, the non-teaching mm -hmm. staffs, the teaching staffs, right? Then you have the corporates who are supposed to employ the students. Mm -hmm. Then you actually have other people are supposed to buy products. So consumers who are supposed to buy products either created by these students or by the company or platform that these students are part of either as, you know, skill, uh, as earners, right? So how do mm -hmm. we, then you also have government, sorry, after, after the parents are the governments, right? Then you now have the schools. So how do we create these relationships with all of these stakeholders or majority of these stakeholders to create and in the environment where we have the infrastructure, we have yeah. access to opportunity and creation of you know, economic value. Yes, I will say this. Um, so to take it back to my undergraduate years, um, when, um, when I was about to graduate from school, it was maybe about, maybe about a month, a month and a half before I was going to graduate. Um, from, from university, Jackson State University, the Jackson State University, I almost had a nervous breakdown, bro. I was like, I was really kind of losing my mind cause like I didn't really put everything in context, right? And the reason why I didn't put everything in context and it, and it all kind of hit me at once because while I was in college, it was like, if I was broke, you understand it's okay. Cause I'm a college student, I'm focusing on my education. If I didn't have something, I needed to borrow something or mom helped me out or uncle, hey, let me do this or any of those things, it's okay because I'm a college student. Um, but what I realized that within a month and a half that I was no longer going to be a college student and people were going to actually expect me to be a fully functioning adult, right? So that means I can no longer go to my mom and, and anybody else and ask you, hey, can you help me out with 20 bucks this week or anything like that? No, I can't do that. They're expecting me to now start giving them money. <laughs> um, and what that, what that made me start looking at was basically um, that I have to find a way to create value. Um, you guys have to really like change your mindset to think that just because you're students, somebody owes you something. Somebody should give you a chance. Somebody should give you a shot just because you took some classes. That's not how the world works, fam. <laughs> That's not how it is. Uh, you have to shift your mindset to look at it. And again, it's a very broad question. So in certain ways, I have to give a broad answer. But in certain ways, you have to 
to directly connect your, uh, your, your addition or your participation or your joining their company or their environment to making money in some way, shape or form. How do you create value? How do you earn money? The conversation you need to be having with anybody, it shouldn't be coming from some perspective of, I'm a student, you gotta help us. Nah, we all gotta eat, bro. We all got problems. Ain't nobody getting paid right. Ain't nobody getting paid what they feel like they should be getting paid. Nobody's getting what they should feel like they should deserve. Everybody has a family. Everybody has cousins. And this is one thing I love about uh, the African continent is that sense of community. Because in America, we'll tell you in a second, like, bruh, you better get it how you get it. <laughs> Don't come to me asking me for anything. Here, people are more willing to help you. So like, you mm -hmm. never know how, much, how many people one person and has to help if you're the one person that made it in your family and you're supporting everybody like it's a heavy burden so with that being said yeah. students the first step lesson number one don't nobody owe you anything nobody's looking for you specifically mm. because you're a student there's an expectation mm. that because you're a student that you have a certain skill set but guess what what's the problem mm. the skill the, the education system here does not have a good reputation for creating talent so they're not looking for you. Yeah. They're just not looking mm. for you. So basically it's up to mm. you to basically individually create your own use cases for how you can create value, mm. for how you coming in there mm. is going to somehow earn them money. Like that's the only thing. And even for me, when you start talking about multi-stakeholder relationships, one thing that I learned that uh, a long time ago is I actually stopped working for money and start working for the things that I wanted. And if it like actually looking at trade and barter and different things like that. So I remember when I was in Accra, I had different clients and whatnot. And one client, um, mm. uh, let's say that basically he has this old, this apartment he was renovating. Um, he hadn't started renting it yet or whatever, whatever, whatever. And I rolled up to him and I was like, hey man, I'll take like three or four hours a week to uh, review your books. Um, I know that if I go through these books and start identifying things, I can save you like uh, probably like like a few hundred dollars a week, bro. That could even save you like a thousand dollars a month. Here's the proof that I've shown you that I've done this for other people. Um, and uh, all I want for that is um, let me use that room there. Like, give me the room, don't charge mm. me rent, free. So now for mm. three or four hours a week, I'm working and I've, I've, I've provided rent for myself, right? Um, mm. Another client, he was running a restaurant. I was like, hey, I'll come in um, late at night after the restaurant closes. I'll go do your drink inventory, measure, count everything, compare to the receipts and the money and make sure everything balances out. Um, for that, since you run a restaurant and all these other things, I want to be, I want this to be my like hangout spot. I want to come here, have meetings. I want to be able to order food, give me a budget, different things like that. So, mm. so basically, so now in, 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 in a crowd, cause I ain't gonna lie, I went all the way to the bottom. Like, like I came here with this American uh, thinking that I knew everything and my way was the best way. And Ghana, Ghanaian showed me real quick. They showed me, they showed me, they showed me real quick. Like, bruh, hey, this ain't this, <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't how it works. Let us show mm. you. Yeah. So they chopped me down to size and I had to work my way up from the bottom. But again, it was like I stopped working for money and started looking at these are the different things I need to survive. And then once I started getting these things and basically I had taken care of all my basic necessities, um, typically using eight to 10 hours a week, the rest of the time I was using was all for the good. So it was like, mm -hmm. now if this person, if I want a relationship with this person and I know they need something from somebody else, then you know, I start moving these pieces around and start having this chess match where I'm building relationships and creating value and mm. taking little things here based on my ability to create this and provide the value that I do have. 
Wow. Sometimes you get to the point where once people start seeing you working good on their behalf, which is why I do a lot of things for free. Um, mm. I should stop doing that now. Um, <laughs> not that you guys should do that stuff for free, but like you do have to have a way. And since I don't have a lot of money to go do like Facebook ads or go do this or go do that, it's my way of introducing myself to different people. So again, you have to find ways to position yourself in the hearts and minds of the people that you want to do business with. Mm. But again, if you're sitting there like, hey, I have a resume and I'm a student and you come up to me, I'm gonna be like, okay. <laughs> and? <laughs> wow. Because that's not a compelling factor just based on the environment that we're coming up in. It's mm. the same thing in America. When we go mm. and tell people I'm from, a, I'm from a, I graduated from a historically black college and university, they're looking like, oh, why, why did you do that? There were, there were other universities. And I was like, because I'm black. <laughs> wow. But anyway, that's another conversation. Wow. Exciting, exciting. Uh, we've used up the 15 minutes for the discourse, but All you right. mentioned something that I still think we need to quickly address. Um, I want you to, to answer that question, but in the case of investment, um, venture capital, right? Because yeah. Ingressive has that arm of, of, of an objective, you know? providing, you know, the capital needed to create actual value. So how do we, you know, as I said, you know, you also mentioned, you know, that you're working with partners, creating maps so that you could get the right stakeholders to empower you to carry out the projects for Ingressive, right? So mm -hmm. how do, you know, and, and that's why we're having this conversation, right? Most times. Let's jump in. Yeah, most, most times when you're talking to the undergraduate community uh, members, you know, students, right? Mm -hmm. It is just easy for you to conform to the idea that this guy is just best a talent. Once yeah. this person can just acquire the right skills, uh, he's going to do well for himself. But stretching our minds to think that these students can actually create actual startups that actually solve problems, it's, it's, it's a stretch for the mind. And that is why we're having the venture matrix right now, right? So... It yeah, but it it's go ahead. Sorry, I'm just I'm like I'm really like <laughs> I really pumped. I know. So how do we manage such conversations with stakeholders to actually give us that money? You know, invest in yeah. us, invest in the opportunity case or the business case or the use case that we can provide and actually okay. take the risk. Now you understand why I was very big on saying we didn't have an enabling environment because of the investment case. Yes. Um, so the problem is, well, it's not a problem. Well, yeah, okay, it's a problem. You don't realize, students don't realize the power that they have. And they also, you also have to realize how VC money works. Mm. Like VC money works by, we're going to invest in like 10 or 20 companies, 15, 30 companies, or whatever the case may be, knowing that the majority of them will fail. True. So it's going to be about three to five that are basically going to cover our losses plus, right? Mm. So now when you're coming and you're pitching for money, you have people who are coming and saying like, oh, I need you to invest $10,000 into this, that, and the third. That's too small. You can't, you can't have like $10,000 conversations talking about a $100,000 business when you're trying to approach VC capital in most cases. VC capital, their underlying goal is to like, they're betting, they're shooting dice, trying to hit the billion dollar company. So at the very least, you need to be talking about a multi, multi-million dollar story if wow. you're trying to tap into VC capital, right? Wow. Number one. If not, you're talking about more like family office, um, even Susu. Like there's other <laughs> ways to do that one, <laughs> mm. right? Mm. So like, but if you're talking VC capital, like 
but then what you have to realize now though is that again if you guys were all to just collectively organize yourselves Mm. and say this is my potential market these are the people i have engaged and when i go to take my product to the market you can talk of a high market potential if you build this thing all over uh nigeria and then you start spreading into let's say ghana would probably be the easiest transition and then start basically bringing out this student organization map throughout all these different countries at some point you're going to have because you have to realize like i think i don't know if it's just nigeria or if it's the continent but there's like 2.3 million new students coming on per year Mm. right so like you're going to be able to start speaking to millions of numbers behind you when you say that i'm about to launch this product or service and you can even say now once Mm. you have a, a large, large, large amount of people, you can start saying like, oh, I have this really simple, small idea. Um, it will cost uh, 50% of my 50 million person community, uh, let's say $1 a month to use. And they're like, what, wait, mm. what, 50%, 50%? So you're gonna make $25 million? How much do I have to give you? Mm. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Start leveraging mm. the like, create communities, create people, people have, where you don't have money, organize people. And the money will come to you. Mm. Wow. Wow. That was wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa, this is so fun. This is so fun. Wow. That's, why, okay. that's why I say the ecosystem okay. is not, the student ecosystem is not bad. It's just disorganized. It's fragmented. Wow. Oh. So once you bring it together, you can start telling presidents what to do. Like at, to a certain extent. Wow. Okay. This is, this is so good. All right. Let's jump into the strategy session, right? Let's get, let's roll up our sleeves yes. and let's talk about solutions. How do we resolve this? Right? So how do we resolve this? Frag- let's start from there. Right. How do we, how do you think, you know, you've, I know you've already given yeah, an answer. Yeah, said, I, you know, just couple times. Answer. I want you to tell me what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so you said like, we should, get ourselves together, organize, find a way to, you know, connect each other and then become an actual yeah. market. You know, we need to make transitions from just becoming a fragmented community across Nigeria, across Africa to becoming a market. When we can operate as a market, then we represent an investment case. I've been listening. I've got my own here. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Right. So let's talk about strategy, right? What are the, what are the pathways we could actually take? How do we organize how do we sensitize? How do we build our existing communities into existing? Organize markets? every single, um, organize every single college community you can, and then charge a membership fee every month. You'll be able to do anything you want to do. Okay, that was a little bit easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like it's, it's just wow. sheer numbers where you could create your own VC mm. fund. Like, it doesn't have to be like this big, crazy, crazy thing. The thing that we lack is trust. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Um, But like, Mm. if you, again, if you were to, um, again, organize as many universities as you can and start crowdfunding ideas and you say, all right, we had 100,000 people, they each gave a dollar, we have this. And then you go up to to investors and say, hey, we have $100,000 for this idea. Can you put a little bit more on top? Sean, I, I'm gonna have to hold hold up there because um, I feel like you're you're already touching on some waters. 
that I want to keep between us. <laughs> that is what we're supposed to have a conversation about. Oh, so the thing is, the thing is, there's so much potential because because here's what I'm doing with you here. I'm actually doing for the historically co uh, black colleges and universities there too. And once I connect what mm. you're doing with what these people are doing, don't worry, don't worry. There's 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 nothing to worry about. <laughs> awesome. You awesome. Realize awesome. Sometimes you have to put things out into the universe to get things started to because get we can't started, do things true. ourselves. And in, and then keep in mind too, even if somebody was to hear your idea, they can't do it the way the that way you, you do, do it because yeah. they don't have the resources sure. that you have. Number one. Number two. If they were to do it and what you are doing is truly for the betterment of the country, then you should you should clap your hands and, and be happy, even though you took that loss. You might have took that loss, mm. but be happy and happy. Mm. Yeah, I put all my Amazing. ideas out there. Like you just asked me for a document. Before I was before I shared it to the certain places I shared it to have them look over it for me, I was like, how do, I should just do this internally and sell it. Because it's about mm. almost 30 pages of an ecosystem map. And I was like, I should just save this wow. thing because it would be valuable. But then I was like, nope, I'm sharing it to all my people in the black community in the US so they can come and start inflowing money here. I need to show it, I need to loud it, I need to let everybody know what's going on here. Um, what God has for me is for me. If it, got, mm. if it gets taken, it wasn't mine. And then at the end mm. of the day, you gotta realize ownership is really truly a perception. Money mm. is just a vehicle. There's plenty of ways mm. to get to where you wanna go. True. Whoa, you, you're preaching to the choir right there. Wow. Thank you so much, Sean. So second strategy session is, um, so the creation of economic value, right? It always comes from problems, always comes from problems. But one thing you would notice is that the kind of problems that become of actual economic value differ from some other problems. You know, I, I'm sure you know about the PVC model, you know, they're paying, they're paying, they're paying, um, they're paying, paying painkillers, vitamins and candies, right? Yeah. How do you think, the undergraduate community needs to start focusing on the kind of problems they could solve that will become investment worthy. Just give us, you know, a practical, you know, just give us like a framework. So how do we know the kind of problems you need to start solving that can bring, um, you know, that capital flow to this our community? I think that different people have, it, it, again, it's a different answer for different things. Cause like, again, like I deal with Babcock and Covenant University um, which is high, high level. A lot of their graduates are um, the top level people in a lot of these current, um, of these current um, tech companies, these tech startups. And then I deal with like schools as far as like Kano or in some, some, you know, some far out areas and whatnot. And there's a difference. There's a difference. So people have different problems. So to say that, how did you start doing it? Again, I cannot say enough, you have to kind of organize. Number two, you start solving your own problems that you have within your community. You don't necessarily, cause like, again, if you're looking at being an awesome. overnight sensation, um, mm. that's fine, but you have to, again, take a look at what the informal sector is doing. The informal sector is making mm. billions of dollars a year, like, like themselves. And they're not doing complicated things. They're taking one thing here and buying it there. But since they've had the, the site, the, uh, the forward site to basically buying things in mass or you understand what I'm saying? Establishing yeah. themselves as a, as a hub for purchasing certain different things or certain things, yeah. then basically people are coming and going. So like, again, it's, 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 it's not for me to kind of come in because I would, if I were to come and suggest what, what students in different universities should do, 
um, to, to, to kind of create value, then there's a problem because it kind of should be in reverse. You guys should be mm. kind of looking and seeing these are the problems I have. This is my mm. way that we can solve it. This is how much money you're going to make. Like, that's the story that you're telling. You, you see what mm. I'm saying? Like, I mm. haven't been a student in like 10, 20 years. <laughs> I'm 38, uh, 38 this year. So um, again, so for me to tell you, like, what does a student do? Like, I, I, would, I wouldn't listen to me. Uh, <laughs> but again, the, the, the overall frameworks are basically the same. Um, it's just, again, you have to kind of look at what is missing where you are. Hmm. What are the type of things? If you start looking online and different things, you can look and see, all right, this, they have this thing in America, but they don't have it here. They have this thing in the UK, but they don't have it here. They hmm. have this thing at Legos, but they don't have it in the North. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I get you. It, it could be regional things, or you could look at people are doing some amazing business, um, shipping and selling different things in and out of different, to different African countries. Hmm. Like, why are you just looking? Uh, there are different other people you could be looking at, um, family offices and different stuff like that. Mm. Um, it depends on what type of money you're looking for. It depends on what type of ideas and different things you have, what types of problems, what type of infrastructure is missing, what resources do you have to create the solution? Like mm. all of these different things come in play, come into play when you're starting to look at it. But again, you have to be looking at monetizing the solution, um, mm. organizing as many people as you can to get behind it. If you're going to be kind of or creating a product or a service, because again, you don't have the money. And if you look at the Nigerian way of doing things, in many ways, the African way of doing things, and in many ways, the global way of doing things when you're engaging in business with Black people, it's wait and see. Let me see you do it first. True. Let me see you get some traction. True. Let me see you do some sales, and then I'll come in. And by the time people will start coming in, like, this is why I respect Maya so much with Ingressive Capital. There's mm. been certain points where she's been sitting down with some, like, amazing startup founders looking across the table and, like, you know what? Honestly, I went through all your paperwork. I went through everything you have. You have an amazing business idea. You have an amazing model. You have the right team in place. If you just grind it out for six months, you don't need my money. And mm. we'll walk away. Wow. And it's like... You have to start creating a business. When you start creating a business from the mindset of, I'm not looking to build this through investment capital. I'm looking at building oh. this. It may take longer or whatever, but I'm looking at building this myself with the resources I have. That's going to force you to start leaning on people and creating effective teams. Mm. It's going to force you to start pulling in resources and bootstrapping in different ways. And if that was your model from the beginning, that's, what it, that's what's going to attract investors. Wow. Because again, you're going and begging people when you don't have anything, you don't, you just have an idea in your head and hope that's not, that's not investment worthy. Mm. It's just not, you have to prove something. You have to show people something just because you are who you are. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Sean. And yeah, you did brilliantly well with answering the questions. You know, one of the propositions I made um, in the venture matrix for the future of Africa publications was that we needed the undergraduate community to own the responsibility of solving their local problems with the global solutions, which is we need to create solutions that first directly impact our local economies. We need to stop thinking, how do I build the next Facebook or a pay stack? No, you want to think, how do I create the next solution that will impact the, the people outside my university that I'm interacting with every day, but do not have access to a better life because I've not created a solution that helps solve their problems. So that is what I think is, you know, I, I, I asked that, that question just to see if you present a different answer and your answer totally aligns with what we're proposing. So thank you so much for sharing such insight with us. 
um, really brilliant. So let's dream a little, right? For the last question in this section, right? Let's dream a little. So let's say, oh, I'm so, ex I'm so excited. I like what Shona said. Okay, we organize, um, we start creating economic value. We start to monetize, we're growing so big, mm -hmm. right? If everything became what it should be, how do we sustain that impact by creating, you know, it's still back to the same question I asked before, but in a different context, right? How do we make sure that we maintain the right relationship with stakeholders, with our parents, with the government, with the corporates, with, um, you know, the consumers of whatever pro um, 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 value we're creating? How do we maintain that relationship? How do we sustain that? So you're saying if you create a system where you guys start making money, you're saying how do you make it sustainable? Yes, how do you sustain that relationship with, you know, different stakeholders? Oh, like the stakeholders outside of it, as long as you're making money, they'll stay around. And the way you keep making money is just to make sure you keep spending money within ourselves, within our own communities. Ah, this is so um, amazing. Oh, my God, Sean. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's the only way. Because, like, they did this study a long time ago where they, is, this is Black Americans, but they were looking at how long the dollar stays within certain communities and, it, and the impact it has on wealth. So, like, wow. the Jewish community, if, they, if somebody gave a Jewish person a dollar, they would spend that person, that dollar, only with Jewish people within their community. Wow. Uh, and it would, they would do that way for uh, 12 days on average every Jewish person in that community would do it for 12 days, right? Wow. So they took this to the Black American community. They were like, all right, we give a Black American $1. How long does it stay in his community? It was a matter of hours. Like, we cannot <laughs> wait to give our money away. We don't wow. produce anything. We don't really create or own anything from, the, uh, from production. This is why in my private company, I'm trying to build an economic bridge between Africa and the diaspora because everybody else is coming here to get the raw products and service, uh, raw products and, and cheap labor to build their empires, but us. And then we want to come around and say, we want to compete with them. Like how is, let's say Nigeria can't compete with, let's say BP or Exxon. They're huge companies, right? But these companies themselves do not own, like they don't produce oil. They're not like the land. Nigeria is the land. So how is it that when we are Nigeria, the land are basically pumping out oil and then buying back the finished product at a price we can barely, um, barely afford. That's why I'm so glad um, Dan Gote is building these refineries and different things like that. But like, that's an example of how like at a high, high level, but you have to spend money in your country yourself. And then you have to realize this too, of excluding entertainment, because I don't, I don't count entertainment because it, it counts on the masses of people and we're not the masses buying in many cases. Um, but outside entertainment, um, eight of the 13 black billionaires in the entire world are within the African continent. And the majority of, the, the majority of them come from Nigeria. So like, wow. and the reason why that is, is because my, Nigeria, one of the major reasons is because Nigeria has a massive population massive population. Mm -hmm. So again, this is where I started mm -hmm. tapping in and saying like, you have to use what you have here. Use the resources that you have here. Start doing business with yourselves. Um, and that's, that's basically the way for I had this one other idea just escape me. Oh, I was about to kill you. Oh, I was about to drop it. Uh, don't worry, it'll come back. It'll come back. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll come back. It'll come back. Awesome. 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 You know, um, I'm so, I'm so excited. Um, this is so insightful because you know, that, that is what I've been clamoring for, right? Create value, 
solve the local problems, let the, let, let the wealth be decentralized locally, then we can now talk about statewide, then we can now talk about federal-wide, right? I was discussing with a stakeholder who happens to work directly with the government, and he was telling me, right, you know, he's going, going to be on the show. Uh, I said, <laughs> I say show. He's going to be on the forum, right? And one thing he exposed to me was that one of our biggest economic problems was that our economic framework is actually based on a central system. Right. And that is a big, that is a big, that is a big problem, right? We need to decentralize it for it to make sense. So what you just said was really brilliant. I think it came back to you. I wanted to mention something. Oh, somebody said it's a vibe. I, like that's, yeah, that's my whole mood right now. I'm just now, I'm starting to wake up now. It's lit. <laughs> I'm a, generally, I'm a generally excited person, which is why sometimes I have to stay to myself. You know, Legos is packaging. And I told you, I'm from the bush. So, you know, I just stay in my corner sometimes. <laughs> and guys like you let me out yeah. every now and then. <laughs> hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So, 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 so great to, to, you know, interface your tech yeah. self. Awesome. So last question on the forum, right? And I really hope that idea that's escaped will come yeah. back, right? So we've talked about the investment case, right? How do we actually position ourselves to engage investors? Brilliant stuff, mm -hmm. right? So what is that one thing? If we're to work on one thing right now to make sure that we become more appealing to stakeholders, what would that one thing be? Don't say, I know, I know you want to say, organize yourself. No, 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 don't, don't do that. I need something <laughs> that would... <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I need something as plain as one plus one equals to two. What is that one thing you think we should work on now? Even, even if it's organized ourselves, how? Give us that practical stuff that we can say, oh, because Sean said this, we did this, and now we are the apple of Africa's eye. Um, I put my money where my mouth is. Actions speak louder than words. Um, if you want to see how to do it, we're, we're doing it with uh, Ingressive for Good. We built the uh, Ingressive for Good network um, we have I4G circles that are launching at different uh, campuses. Um, so um, again, I am not selfish. I am not greedy. We are creating the infrastructure. Um, we, are, we are dropping in um, resources. We are, we are bringing in donations. We are already connected to the VC. Like, if you want to know how you do it, look at Ingressive. We're doing it. You, awesome. together, we are doing it. Um, basically, mm. we're organizing. Now, once again, now, once we get all of these campuses organized and put together, um, I mean, it has some of this stuff, we have to start doing it out of love and out of passion and not True. necessarily out of what you got for me, what you got for me. No, we got to, we got to, that's, I would, okay, that, I would say that would be the thing I would leave then. Have that mental shift where you shift from what can you do for me to what can we do for we. Mm. That would, wow. I, let, let, let that be it then. Wow, that, that was that was that, that was like that presidential speech of you know let us change the world. <laughs> I have a dream. That was yeah. that was brilliant. Spot. What is your profession? Whoa! Amazing time with you, Sean. Thank you so much. Um, you know, we've, we've only have five minutes to spare, but it's been such an amazing time with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For this no time, um, no we're gonna, we're gonna, so this is going to be made available. Um, I'm going to share. So, you know, once you send me your, your WhatsApp, I'm going to send you yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. and all of that. Yeah, share it. So, yeah, share it with me so I can share it because I'm creating content as well. Like, awesome. I do this every Sunday. 
So I have my own thing called a broad while black and a broad while black is basically yeah, getting seen that. all of these black perspectives from all over the world and showing them how they live, how they're providing for themselves and to start giving us a new perspective of how we can engage this world. Mm. Um, again, I'm trying to tell people to come here because it is lit. Everything is here. My friend, when I was even in Ghana, my friend from Israel was like, um, if, if Israel had what these countries in Africa had, they would basically, like each country, if it was just Ghana or just Nigeria, they would build a wall around it and not let anybody in. And here we are feeling ourselves trying to leave. Hmm. I'm riding, in, I'm riding in, in Ubers every day. And I was like, oh, do you, like, people ask me, I would say once or twice, I'm like, oh, do you have somebody who can help me with the visa or the this or the that? And I'm like, wow. bruh, do you watch the news? <laughs> they kill <Yeah>. people. Wow. <laughs> like, what's wrong? Run. Like, run from them. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, that's awesome. a whole other conversation. But awesome. y'all have everything here. You literally have everything here but unity. Mm. And that's, that goes for the entire Black diaspora. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Now you just mentioned something we have to actually tackle, right? So, okay. Tackle. So, yeah, I'm here so, all day. It's Saturday. I have your time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So this, this thing about unity, um, you know, I uh, okay. I don't. I don't think I want to mention this on recording, but let me. Yeah. Let me. Let me. Not, let me not mention it. But let's just. Let me just ask the question straight. So I'm gonna take it religious. I'm gonna take it religious. But go ahead. Yeah. So this thing about unity, right? Um, yeah. There is a historical context to it. We literally sold our own people during the slave trade. They didn't just, they didn't just come, you know, slave, the slave trade is like what everybody uses to mark our history, even though that is like the least most historical thing about us. But let's just yeah. use that within the context, right? So yeah. we sold our own people. They didn't just come to Africa and just start picking people. No, we sold our own people. So oh, you they started, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so right. we could trace the, the problem about trust, unity, and all of, that, all of those conversations, right? Because everybody's trying to look for what's in it for them. And if somebody else has to suffer for that, of course, we'll do it, right? So how do you think we can quickly bridge? Because it is affecting the economy. That, see, what people don't understand is that it is the fickle things that make the big things work. Once there is no trust, once there's no unity in any nation, in any setting, in, even in a family, the economy of that place, it is already dysfunctional. So Man. how do we solve that unity and um, trust problem? You have to look at the example that these European countries are showing us right now. Hmm. During when, when COVID was fresh and new and nobody had masks and everybody was freaking out, I think it was Germany or some European country Shipped, had a shipment of, of hundreds, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of masks um, that they were shipping to a different location. And basically it had to stop at a port in Hungary, right? Mm. So when this ship stopped in Hungary, Hungary is one of the, they're not the, one of the wealthy European countries. Um, but when this, when this thing stopped there in front of Hungary, Hungary seized it. They took it. They're like, ah, thank you. <laughs> we are taking this. This is ours now right? Whole shipment, right? Now, did Germany go to war, blow them up, kill them, start saying bad things about them on the news, like anything like that? No, because they will handle it internally. And that's the thing that we have to start looking at. The biggest problem we wow. have is PR issues. Wow. We can, people will always find a way to separate themselves. 
You will always find somebody you do not like and you will not like no matter what happens. But what you have to realize to a certain extent is we have to build these communities to say that, all right, I will, I hate you. I don't like you. You know, and if nobody's looking, I'll hit you in the back of the head with a rock, but I'm going to mess with those people first. Mm. If they come over here, I'm going to deal with them first. And me and you are going to help each other, no matter how we feel about each other, to make sure we get to this goal first. Wow. Then we can go back to our business that wow. we have between ourselves as individuals. That's, that's the thing. Europeans have that thing down. Where they, mm. they, they were literally like, have like all out like hate. Like if you look at what Russia's doing now, um, killing people in different countries. If you look at what Saudi Arabia is doing, killing people in different countries. But it's just like, all right, look, bro, we got this oil deal, Saudi Arabia. So I'm not gonna say nothing publicly, but could you please calm this down, please? <laughs> could you <laughs> bring it down a notch? You understand what I'm saying? And they handle it like that. Let an African country do this thing. It's a mm. problem. They're going to mm. send an army. They're going to send somebody. They're going to put you on sanctions. Look at the way they treat Iran. Or I'm not saying I agree with people's policies or, or for the reason why. Like some things are like very, very complicated. I'm just saying mm. look at how they treat certain people. Look at how they mm. treat China. Like China has everything they need to launch 5G. And America's like, hey, y'all, look, nobody fool with China. Nobody use Huawei. And everybody's like, but we... Bro, we already gave them money. They're like, I know you gave them money. I know you started building it, but come on, man. It's us first. And they're like, all mm. right, man, get out, China. Australia, wow. you're all the way down there in the corner. I know you real close to China, but bro, we can't do this. All right, fine. Hey, China, forget you. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. that's how they work together. Mm. Mm. So it's all it's about narratives. It's, it's really our turn. Mm. Yeah. Wow, like baby. that's what unity looks like, even when people have problems. Hmm. Like nobody liked what America did, but at, they, nobody likes Trump. Like nobody likes Trump. But they're like, at the end of the day, you're right. We can't let this potential competitor uh, into our market and plug hmm. into our our internet infrastructure. Oh, if you look at the way they like Google is laying pipe under uh, underwater now. They basically bought out all the bandwidth all the talent, all the work, all the everything. So nobody else can even get a, get a pipe underwater if they wanted to. Wow. Like, that's how it works. And everybody's behind them like, all right, Google, you, you may make more money with, from this with us, but like, it, it needs to be done. So we're all going to be able to be better together if you own the internet mm. and I'm your boy. Wow. Sean, this has been so insightful, um, so deep. I, I like the, I like your representation of you know the black culture. It's it's in everything you do. It's so beautiful to to experience. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you for for, for giving us your time. So awesome. we have come to the also, rest okay. in peace, Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, uh, oh. forever. Look at the work that man was doing. Mm. Just look at some of the things if you want to tap into some of the, like the issues we face in uh, Black American culture. Because I'm all about building that bridge and that connection. Mm. Check me out. Um, www uh ingressive.org um www well ingressivecapital.com if you're looking at what we're investing in and then i have my own public uh my own private thing burrowsenterprises.com yeah um and that's for some of the content and the articles and different stuff like that i would check it out and read my blog and read my articles because i can get spicy on my own channel can't nobody kick me off i bought it i paid for my domain you can't <laughs> 
tell me nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. 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 Thank you so All much, right. Sean. Um, so we've come to the end of Series 3, The Matrix, with Sean Burroughs. We're going to have Mimshak um, Obioha, right? It's the executive director of Ventures Platform Foundation. Um, we're going to have him on the next session on the forum talking about Series 3. Thank you so much, Sean. Um, so amazing to have you. Um, yeah, so since you still have time, you can hang around. You can read through the comment section. I'm going to stop the recording and then the YouTube. I'm in the comment section right now. now. <laughs> awesome. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining in.